0: Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite.
1: All right, everybody, we want to take a second to talk to you about an amazing sponsor. We have an amazing relationship with RayAllen.com. Ray Allen is a one-stop shop for everything dog, not just working dogs. Everything dog that you need, you can go down there, check them out, RayAllen.com. Awesome people. They got everything you need.
2: Another one of our favorite partnerships is with a dog trip. They've been with us from the start. Uh, great callers, great ball poppers, great GPS tracking, big dog, small dog, bark collars, everything. I got everything that they have at the kennel. We use it every day. Be sure to head them up, dogtrail.com. Listen for the discount code later in the episode.
1: Hey guys, it's going to happen. August 16th through the 19th, HITS is coming back. The HITS Canine Conference in Orlando, Florida, August 16th through the 19th. Get on there. It's the biggest, the best. Check it out. HitsK9.net. HitsK9.net. Get registered now.
2: Take the guesswork out of making sure you're feeding your working dog correctly by using Kinetic Dog Food. Hit them up at KineticDogFood.com and look them up on the Instagrams at Kinetic Dog Food. Take all the guesswork out and do it right from the beginning
1: we love horizon structures dude this stuff is so awesome man you can get online you can talk to them you could build it you want from mild to wild they'll come bring it to your place set it down on your pad hook up your power hook up your water and you can put dogs in it that day if you don't believe me check out some guys like uh, justin rigney's got a great setup there ask him check him out horizonstructures.com all right everybody working dog radio we are back broadcasting the bite um Another great episode coming at you in our series of uh, what guys can do when they retire. My name is uh, Eric Stanbro, of course. I'm from Canton, Ohio. Uh, with me, as always, is my co-host from Tulsa, Oklahoma, Ted Summers. Ted, what's going on over there?
2: Um, I, Oklahoma is like throwing out temperatures like Powerball numbers. I mean, it was 75 degrees yesterday. Uh, the wind chill right now is like 13 so that's good. Uh, yeah and we're you know so everyone that's been listening like i'm in the middle of a build out phase on the kennel and we've got the concrete guys there polishing the concrete and we had to break a bunch of concrete up yesterday and it sucked so i basically did a crossfit workout for three hours with a giant fucking sledgehammer it was terrible and then i went tracking uh in heavy wind like super heavy wind <laughs> and uh went tracking this morning in super heavy wind but from the north instead of from the south uh and then did some detection work uh, the concrete guys came back this afternoon. I didn't know they were going to come and uh, to seal the floor. <laughs> and we had done some detection work and one of the dogs ripped his toenail off uh, and one of them cut his pad. So it looked like the OJ crime scene. And my landlord freaked out and was like, what in the hell happened in here? I was like, well, you see what it happened was. Hmm. And I was like, just seal dogs over bleed. it. It'll be cool. Yeah. I was like, and he's like, no, we're not sealing over blood. I'm like, why not? <laughs> It was like, it won't affect it. Right. You know? And he was like, we're, I, no. And then I got told also we can't have pet clients seeing <laughs> blood all over the floor. I was like, okay, that's fine. But yeah. there's blood everywhere. If you're looking at my Instagram story from today, uh, you can see there's blood everywhere. <laughs> I did so, see that now that I yeah. think about it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it looked uh, pretty rough. So uh, yeah, we've been kind of scrambling, like tracking in between shitty weather windows and then doing detection work and some of the other stuff when the weather gets you, like it's supposed to like freeze or I don't know, do something tonight that's not pleasant. So uh, other than that, we got a bunch of pets still uh, I'm like moving them around because they're working on the floors. So it's like musical dogs, like in crates in kennels and big runs and outside runs and then back into a kennel and then do a car. And it's just a fucking nightmare. So it'll be nice when it's done though. We're getting close. So uh, yeah. What about you? What's going on up there?
1: Um, uh, so, <clears throat> excuse me, I, um, I made contact I got through, through people with a uh, pretty large agency in Maryland and a 20 dog unit. And they, um, came up yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday test dogs. They, they, uh, needed three. I had three and, um, they came up and,
2: and
1: <clears throat> I do things a little bit differently when, when an agency comes up. And they're highly recommended that their trainers know what they're doing. I give them a lot of freedom when they're testing dogs. Like I'll say, okay, you, the dogs you want to test are in these positions in my van, you know, back, left, back, right, middle, side, whatever. All the dogs I have are are real biddable for other people to grab and train. And I said, just go do your thing. Well, I'll be over here in this other part of the building. You got any questions about a certain dog? I don't hide anything. You, you're going to see what you want to see or don't see what you want to see. And then I got dogs to train. So me and Jordan are over here working. And uh, so they came up. That They were they, that type of unit. They came up. They were had gone someplace where they were told, you're not allowed to touch my dogs. No leash for you. No decoy for you. No nothing. You will stand here and watch. So um, they came to me. And <clears throat> we hit it off real well. They did really good. Um, the three dogs I have are really good. They took two of them. The other one is this uh, shepherd I have named Robic. And uh, we talked about him before uh, that. I got Robic from a guy down in North Carolina. He was imported him, and he is a, a big my one, right? new favorite term is he's an a, an apex predator. <laughs> when when he hits the street, he's going to be that dog. He's social too; like you can you can deal with him, but he's difficult to hold on to. Not for me, um, but the the two trainers were like, dude, our handler is a uh, hundred and five pounds. <laughs> and he's like, I'm I'm 170, and I'm barely holding on to this dog. So I've had another agency that looked at him too. Like he's the best dog you have, but our guy's 140 pounds. I'm like, oh, tell him to hit the gym. But they're listening to us, going, yeah. But I, uh <laughs> so they meetings. took two. They, <laughs> it was great. But it's I like those relationships because a 20 dog unit is going to replace dogs three or four every year perpetually, yeah. forever. It's just the way that works. Um, so they're gonna. I got more dogs. I'm gonna get. I'll. I'll get them that third dog. It's, it's not gonna be a problem. They got a little bit of time. Um, I got some floppies coming in in a couple of weeks. I haven't had floppies in in a, in a minute. So get some Springer Spaniels coming in. Um, that should that should be interesting. Should be fun. Um, a little bit of a break, but uh, yeah, we've been plugging away. Uh, a lot of tactical stuff going on at the fun house. A lot of SWAT teams um, coming lot of civilian classes going on there we're getting a sponsorship banner sponsorship and stuff going to start coming that that uh that building is just offers so much buffoonery that the instructors can put on the guys there and you know it's it's a good time there's a huge medical class here coming there thursday swat team medical class and they thought they were going to land a a bird in the parking lot and I'm like, listen. As cool as that would be, and I'd love to be here to watch. This, there's no fucking way you're gonna get an, uh, a a lifelight helicopter in this parking lot. There's wires all over the place. There'll be 30 cars here. They they came out and they're like, yeah, yeah. We didn't really we didn't really <laughs> sight respect very well, <laughs> we, so we didn't think about this. <laughs> they're gonna there's a there's a big huge open lot right around the corner. They're gonna use that, so that should be pretty cool. Um, the <clears throat> the funny thing with me, man, is so I'm. Going to Georgia in the middle of March to do some training. I have to plan my the amount of dogs I have in my kennel and the sales and everything to empty it before I leave. Anytime I go out of town, I have to empty the kennel first because I don't have any help. I have no assistance. It's me, and um, so I can't leave four or five dogs in there for somebody to come and break. And it's just not going to happen. So I'm hoping there's an agency in Tennessee going to look at Robic uh, next week. And um, then I have a single purpose female male that um, I don't know what I'm going to do with yet. We'll see. So,
2: but anyways, what do we got going on tonight? Well, uh, tonight, our guess um, we've had on before. Like we were just talking before we started recording and we're trying to remember an episode of was. It's like back in the sequel digits. It's like way oh, back, yeah. Yeah. back in the day, back when we were at Bravo three. Um, and then it was on a hits again too. So in the whole, like, spirit of guys doing stuff after they leave um the institution <laughs> that, so are they leave working for assholes um that we were like oh let's have jason back on because he's doing something cool and you know a lot's happened since we had him back on last so tonight from project Nine hero is jason johnson jason how are you doing great guys thanks for
0: uh, having me in one more time
2: yeah so like i know you i've met you in person friend of mine like Great dude. And I know your resume, but I was reading through it again. I'm like, fuck, I'm not going to remember all this. So just <laughs> give us a rundown real quick because there's like the alphabet soup agencies in there. And, and I'm like, I'm going to forget one. So just give us like a quick rundown real quick. And then we'll like kind of take it from there.
0: Yeah, I started in the United States Army in 1993. Served as a military police officer until 98. Got out. Wanted to be a SWAT canine guy. So I worked really hard at working on that. 99, uh, joined PLPD, uh, South Hill area of uh, Tacoma, Washington, started coring for the Pierce County Metro canine unit out there, you know, you know, just trying to get in the unit, put on the bite suit, uh, you know, laying tracks, just doing whatever you can to, to you know, donate your time, uh, did a transfer over to Yakima PD in 2003, and uh, they didn't have a narcotics canine unit. And I put in a couple hundred hours of time, you know, of, of trying to get in the canine unit. And I got out of the army. I was only 23 years old. So, you know, I'm still I'm still in the early 20s stage here trying to do my thing and uh, was able to handle their first uh, narcotics canine dog. End up being assigned to two drug task force. Uh DEA task force had a lot of deployments, a lot of fines. My dog Flash, who ended up being the 2018 law enforcement dog of the year, had 3000 deployments, 2200 fines there uh, during her career. 2008, though, I left her behind for a little bit, Um, got recruited by Blackwater, uh, was working on uh, my own company at the time called Canine Solutions Northwest. I was doing eight different school contracts, you know, drugs in the schools, firearms in the schools, explosive dogs, and I wanted the opportunity to go overseas and, uh, you know, further that explosive dog experience. I really felt that was the future of the canine career in the early 2000s um, after you know, after 2001 and I was working on my education, my master's degree at the time. So I thought, man, I'm going to quit this SWAT canine gig that I worked so hard to get. And uh, so many of us have worked hard to get in the past. And I went to Iraq, did three tours there, Um, became a kennel master at Blackwater, went on to uh, do the elections in Iraq in 2008, Uh, stayed with the company in 2009, went to Afghanistan, worked for the Ambassador Eikenberry's Detail, did the elections there in 2009 was one of the primary dog handlers used there and uh got an offer from atf in 2010 to come back front row virginia to be an instructor and being the lead instructor there and if you guys know about the atf you know we got fbi cia u.s marshals nga all those types of things not to mention the accelerant program which is all across the nation i think we got a dog in tulsa that i went out certified before we've got um but uh, we did the military working dog uh, pre-deployment course in Yuma, Arizona, Creech Air Force Base. I worked with about over 1,200 working dogs through 2010 to 15 before their deployments. And um, uh, helped, helped with the SEEK program, which is the ATS Off-Leash exclusive to Dog, dog Program. And I, I, I taught a few of those until I kind of wanted to get back operational back around 2016. So I went back to uh, over to Homeland Security as a field canine coordinator. Um, actually, uh, you know, that's where you have your dogs you see in the airport. Your passenger screening dogs, as well as your law enforcement dogs that are assigned in and around the airport areas. Uh, Eric, I covered a, a good portion of Ohio uh, dogs in Columbus, dogs in Dayton, all were assigned under me there. If you know those guys, uh, oh, yeah. did the RNC. I came down to the RNC, had quite a few dogs under me there. I worked the airport for the RNC, I, I think that was probably 2016. And I think we had 100 and something dogs there. and. Um, You know, when I had that position, handlers would come to me and say, hey, Jason, I talked to the vet. You know, my dog's getting old. It's, uh, you know, I think it's time to retire. It's got this hip issue, whatever it may be. And I would say, no problem. And I would assign them to a new canine course down at Lackland. I'd give them the paperwork, say, congratulations, you're keeping your dog. At that moment, I also took them out of uh, federal funding. And uh, right when they needed our help the most in retirement, I became the guy to remove them from getting help. And I didn't think that was right. So I wanted to do something based on that entire career that I just spoke about, I think it's around 2,200 working dogs across the world that I helped train at all levels. And I wanted to give back. So I started Project Canine Hero, and I thought we're going to help them with their medical care, their food, their death benefit assistance, rehabilitation, rehoming. And, you know, I stayed in the government that first year. Uh, You guys probably didn't know me in in 16 and stuff, because I was still a government employee. But in 17, January 17, I quit and I started doing this full time. I took $500 in my pocket at 16. And just thought, hey, let's just start spreading awareness, doing the best I can. And in 17, uh, we did about 500,000 at the at the organization, uh, onto over a million so this past year. And just five years, we're at the 3.5 million mark, and I'm hoping to reach over five this year. And we have 177 beautiful acres here in Tennessee. Rehabilitation for homing kennels, we building permanent ones. I know some of you guys seen those. Uh, I've got full kennels here of military working dogs. We got some on the way. We just adopted one on Friday. We got police canines. We got ones with aggression issues, ones that the handler couldn't keep them for various reasons. That's about 10% of the dogs we take care of. And the other 90 stay with their handlers, guys like you've trained, guys who, you know, maybe you've trained a dog, and I'm sure we've got some in the program that you guys are associated with and need help with that medical bill. So, you know, those are the types of things we're doing. Of course, it goes in a lot more depth than that, but that's just a brief overview of uh what the organization is about and what my my background in the military civilian police and government and overseas contracting was all right he said the entire thing without taking a breath
2: i know i was probably like,
1: go <laughs> What well, i
2: read through there and i was like god damn it there's a ton yeah. of like acronyms in here and i'm gonna forget something and cause it's all kind of important so i was like i'm just gonna have him do it because i was gonna read it I was like oh so he did this and this i'm like i fucking remember i remember <laughs> hanging out with jason at the bar in vegas yeah. at the casino
1: and we're just sitting out there bullshitting, bullshit and having a having a drink and he was really getting in deep into the atf stuff and i'm like wow i've i don't think i've done shit in this business at this point <laughs> you know? so it was pretty cool man to to end to, and stuff with tsa and all that stuff it was It was pretty he even left out a lot of that there's just so much stuff he's done i want to go all the way back to when you were still a cop and you're starting the business yeah absolutely And you're doing doing the schools you you got this the business going yeah um so i want to i want to have you talk about to that because i've got guys that have asked me about starting that kind of company Mm -hmm. business Mm -hmm. some civilian guys some cops because in ohio from what I've seen, and I've been around a long time in here with dogs, that's not a thing in Ohio. Uh, uh-huh. Every agency just does the school sniffs for yeah. people. Schools here never pay for it. Um, there's a company here that I think does it, and the guy who owns the company got is a, got convicted of calling in fake bomb threats to oh, to boy. get his dogs working that type of shit. Yeah. So, it's not really much of a thing. Fucking here. boiler room canine. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. So so how, how do people kind of approach that? How does that work?
0: Yeah, it was pretty simple. So about 2005, and I had, uh, right after that, I got my instructor certification with the Washington State Police Canine Association, if you guys know who they are. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the the bigger organizations like USPCA and NAPWAR weren't in the Northwest at the time. I'm not really sure of their presence up there now because I'm not out there anymore, but they certainly – weren't out there and the WSPCA was the, the biggest. So, you know, I got my trainer cert, I uh, started having principals come to me, um, you know, I'm still in black and white, I'm still on patrol, but I'm assigned the DA task force and I'm on SWAT. So, you know, I'm doing a lot of search warrants. I'm doing a lot of different things. And the principals are like, hey, could, you know, could, could we come to the school, sweep the schools? But they, they kind of wanted some things on their terms. And quite honestly, my, my department just wasn't comfortable with it. They're like, no, he's busy um you know out here doing it doing things and I wanted to do it because then you know as a dog handler you want to go and get as many finds as you can but they didn't really want me to do it I said well what if I just started my own side business I'm already training dogs on the side what if I just trained up three or four narcotics dogs well, We we did some firearms detection dogs and we did an explosive dog and then I did that and I um I went out to these schools and I started getting my first contracts in about 2006. I got eight contracts i had a couple of off-duty handlers state patrol guys deputy sheriff guys city guys handling dogs at the time i was paying about fifty dollars an hour and uh while i was at work we were going out filling these four six hour different sweeps contracts through that and i thought man this is really great but you know if i'm ever going to get to the place that i told you i wanted to be where i ended up i, I knew being an Army MP and a police spot canine guys, they're, they're, they're in every town, let's just be honest. I mean, they're in every city in America. That That's nothing special. Running a business, you know, even though I was an active, you know, police canine handler, still people do that. I wanted to do something more. And then that's when I got that recruitment from Blackwater to go overseas and work for the ambassadors. exclusive explosive dog handler. So you know what, that's the best. That's the top right there. It's the top explosive guy in the world right there. So I, I when not only did I leave behind the department, uh, this was in 2008, leave behind the apartment, my dog all that stuff um, I had to end all those contracts and take that one big contract in the sky and go make the most out of it
1: was there trepidation did you or you just said I'm jumping in with both feet
0: no what I did it was scary because I you hear a lot of rumors of guys not making it through Blackwater. it was a 21 day vetting process on the personal security uh program and as a weak canine and uh, you hear rangers and seals and sf guys not making it and even though I was on SWAT and an MP, that don't mean that don't mean shit right I mean like i said till you get down there so i took 30 days vacation i talked to my admin i said hey i i got this opportunity don't want to quit uh i just want to take 30 days leave and see if i go down and make it and get a job offer and i went down and I, I made it through everything and uh i was uh replaced a legendary kennel master in Hilla, iraq named chuck medford i ended up becoming a kennel master down there before i left and uh to this day i don't know if you know this because it's happened over the last few years but i'm actually the current uh president of the blackwater alumni association we have over a thousand members and i'm still doing that as another nonprofit. um (laughs) someone else i've started i had i've taken it over the last couple uh, last year or so but um so i'm I'm involved in that and that's helping guys we're losing five or six guys a year to suicide you know they're all ex-military they're all ex-police they're all ex-special operations so we're also involved in that here on my end as uh, helping with them that's really cool man
1: i never even knew there was that blackwater alumni association um, is that East coast based?
0: No, it's uh, nationally based. Um, this year we're having our reunion. Uh, I don't want to disclose it publicly, but we're having our reunion in the state of Texas. And, uh, you know, we even got Mr. Prince, our old boss is our guest speaker. Awesome. Uh, we've had, uh, Mark Osgeist come out as our guest speaker. You know, we, uh, we raise money to help a lot of guys fall in hard times, uh, whether a family member died, your house get burned in a fire, anything like that happens. We have funds readily available. I can send to you today. To help take care of a bill you or your family may have so you don't fall in hard times. And that's what it's all about. Dude, when Mr. Prince comes out, that place is gonna go fucking ape shit. I, I hope so. I've been trying to get him for a couple of years and, uh, yeah. you know, he was our boss. He was our boss mm-hmm. and, you know, he was a former ABC. I'm sure you guys know all about him. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, we all, we all enjoyed working for him. He was a great boss. And there's a lot of rumors over the years that go around about Blackwater and things, but I'll tell you as a dog, handler, you know, I just speak as a dog handler. I couldn't imagine more experience in the world. I don't care anywhere in the world during that time. I was doing sweeps outside the wire, uh, for, uh, you know, if the ambassador was going to go meet with the minister of oil, I would show up with my advance team, I'd sweep the parking lot, sweep the meeting room, sweep the break room, had 100 percent control over whether we were doing this or not. Gave it uh, nothing detected and they went about their business. At times we found things. We just called the meeting, went about our day somewhere else. Uh, the days I do six to eight, eight missions a day all, all over the country, rolling out, not with an army not with like a bunch of dudes, sometimes just me and another canine guy and our two dogs and all of our weapons. So if you want everyone to test yourself, I mean, those days are gone, unfortunately, but at that time, uh, I knew when I took my job at ATF and, and I started at ATF as GS-13, which is a pretty high government rank. Um, and, and of course, I was a contracting, making really good money as a dog mm-hmm. So I did take a huge pay cut, but we all know that contracting money doesn't stay forever. And I knew being a starting as a GS-13, the government was the thing I needed to do because I knew if I got that job in the front royal and I started training the CIA and the FBI and the marshals, that's the experience that no one's ever going to be take away from you. And uh, I can always go back to contracting. And, and just like Eric, when we are talking about the police, when I went to Blackwater, I said, I can always go back to being a police officer. Yeah. Unfortunately, I've never had to do any of those
1: things. Right. So uh, before we take our first mm-hmm. break, when, let's go back to Blackwater in Iraq. What dogs, what kind of dogs are you using? Everybody um, always wants to know.
0: Yeah. Well, I know all my dogs. I handle, I handle quite a bit. I handle six when I was in Alhalla. Hopefully I can remember all the names. The most famous was Big Fuzz, Canine, Uran. Uh, on contract they're supposed to be single purpose explosive dogs but they were trained by the guys of virginia beach you might know some of them pd guys of virginia beach and uh, i think they're all prepared for dual purpose there were other contracts before the contract i was on so without disclosing the name of the contract which is one of the most popular ones there they had dual purpose needs so they just kind of transitioned but they were they were all not on paper protection you know explosive detection yeah. but they uh they all had it capable if it came down to it every single one of them. Back when they were still using pointy ears. So oh yeah, we uh we you know there were some up in Baghdad. We we in I think one or two in Afghan. They had some labs. Uh I never worked a lab over there. I I had uh Czech Shepherd, I had a couple Mals, and uh, a couple of German Shepherds. Uh, nice. I think I worked a total of uh certified and worked a total of seven dogs when I was there with the company. Wow, that's awesome.
1: That's crazy. So we're gonna go ahead and take our first break. When we come back, we're gonna dive into The contracting world uh not not so much as working a contract like blackwater more into the providing dogs for contracts and uh, how to do it and the pitfalls and things to avoid and the actual truth versus myths of what that kind of stuff's actually like so don't go anywhere uh in the show notes will be the discount codes if you miss them but we'll be right back
2: HITS Canine Training Conference. This is America's premier canine training seminar packed to the brim with the world's best instructors and me and Eric, all covering important topics. There's no better place to learn and no better place to network with other handlers, breeders, and trainers. HITS 2022 is being held in Orlando, Florida this year, August 16th through the 19th. And I know how you guys are. Everybody waits at the last minute. And in the post-Rona world, everybody's training budgets are being cut and everybody's deciding whether they're going to be able to get to go or not. So don't wait because they're not going to have an infinite number of spots and the price goes up after a certain date. So get signed up as soon as possible. It's in Orlando. We'll see you there. Be sure to hit them up. Hits K nine letter K number nine dot net.
1: One of the best relationships we have in this podcast and in this industry is with the great people down at kinetic dog food. The story of kinetic uh, performance dog food is pretty simple. They wanted to make a better premium dog food for the dogs that need it the most. Their goal is to give every working and sporting dog, a higher energy level, better performance and better overall health through superior nutrition so they formulated a line of food based on what they considered to be the optimal profile of a performing of performance dog. They've done tons of research on this. This isn't their first rodeo. These guys know what they're doing. If you're a kennel, they will come to your kennel. They will see the problems that you have. They will check out what works for the dogs that you have. Um, they're amazing people to work with. They drop ship a pallet right to you. If you want Um I know a lot of guys that use them. There's a bunch of different formulas on there. And uh, 32K might not be for your dogs. Maybe the 26K uh, works. They can adjust it. They'll give you the right ideas what to do in different parts of the year. Winter's different than summer. It's, uh, it's really a well-run, good dog food um, company. KineticDogFood.com. Be sure to check them out on social media too, man. They're, they're amazing folks. KineticDogFood.com.
2: By now, you've probably all heard my story at least once. I'm usually getting tagged by dogs or hurting myself. So this next product is like near and dear to me because I actually use it. Uh, Quick Turn by Vet Care. It does great for keeping small things from turning into big ones. I use it at the kennel for uh, clients' dogs that have some issues with skin stuff or have food allergies or have environmental allergies. It works great. It keeps hot spots from making giant hot spots, and it keeps my working dogs who inevitably find magnificent ways to hurt themselves from turning it into a giant vet visit stops little issues from becoming big ones. So it comes in a spray, comes in an ointment, comes in a dressing. It's great for creating a protective barrier and promoting wound healing. You really only have to use it like once a day. So there's no reason not to have it in the vehicle since it's temperature stable. You don't got to worry about it getting hot, getting cold or anything like that. So put it in your first aid kit or put it in your cabinet. Vetcare.us on the internet. Quick Derm by Vet Care on the inter, on Instagram and on Facebook, and then hit them up with the discount code one zero W D R for ten percent off your first order.
1: So my entire time that I was a handler or a trainer in law enforcement, the cars at my department in the departments that I trained all had American Aluminum accessory kennels in the cars. Different cars, man: Dodge Chargers, all Ford models, some Chevys, uh, SUVs, cars, everything. We loved American aluminum accessories. Um, it's a great product, a great company. They've been serving uh, canine law enforcement community for over 20 years. If you check out their uh, website, EZ, that's a letter Z, ezrideronline.com They got testimonials. They got videos on how to, they got a list of everything they have. Uh, just today, we made a post on the Working Dog Radio social media showing a dog that survived a really bad crash because of the American aluminum kennel in the back of the car. Check them out online, guys, easyrideronline.com. Just let them do their thing, man. Whatever car you got for your work, your patrol car, get a hold of them, American aluminum accessories and get the best in the business.
2: Next up comes uh, training courses online from our friends down at Highland Canine Training, Jason and Aaron Ferguson. So in the post-Rona world, uh, Training budgets have been getting cut. People aren't going to be able to travel, whether it be instructors or they be canine handlers and supervisors going somewhere else for training. So Highland has announced a lot of online training courses. One of those that sticks out to me is their police supervisor canine course. And it's no secret that one of the problems with canine tends to be some of the supervision issues. This course is specifically designed for administrators and covers utilization as well as liability and FL, FLSA issues. The course can be taken at your convenience and you'll receive a certificate of completion at the end. When you go to Tactical Police K9 Training, that's letter K9, training.com and use the discount code WDR30, you'll get 30% off of that course. All right, we are back, Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. Um, back with Jason Johnson from Project K9 and Hero. Uh, we were just talking about kind of your background and doing a whole Blackwater thing, contracting. So one of the things that we've sort of talked about in the past when you've been on, and we kind of hit on it a little bit. I remember one episode we talked about like, you know, how you screened dogs for um, TSA, right? And because it's one, every time we do a question and answer episode, every the one question that always comes up is, what do you look for in dog selection like everybody's got the fucking secret sauce like every department it's crazy watching departments test dogs and dudes like like eric was talking about at the beginning of the episode like he's like well i mean here you're gonna see what you want to see and you're not going to see what you don't want to see so whatever you want right so and everybody's got like this fucking secret method or something we're not going to talk about that though because it seems like that always comes up but one thing we do want to talk about is the contracting side so um i think a lot of guys that are handlers in the military or in law enforcement for that matter have like this, I don't know, like this romantic idea about getting out and being like, fuck, I'm gonna go get this giant contract. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna make millions of dollars. I'm gonna go do this. I'm gonna train dogs all day. I'm gonna run around in cries and a t-shirt and sleeveless t-shirt and laugh at everybody else that has to wear fucking fatigues and be like, ah, now I'm gonna get to work and play with dogs all day. I'm gonna make a shit ton of money doing it. I'm gonna fly private jets. I'm gonna be popping bottles. And I'm going to be shooting the shit with Kanye. And that's not what happens. So um, it's interesting because I hear a lot of times, I hear people tell me all the time, I get emails, I'm sure you do too, like, oh, I've got a government contract. I'm like, I bet you do. Uh, I'm like, I'm, I'm sure you do. And we've had those guys on, including you, that it was those contracts, right? Like we've had on Paul Hammond. We've had on people that have had like parts of those contracts or in parts of those contracts. And they are massive fucking operations. And the amount of outlay that requires you to get into that business is, uh, I don't even have a funny analogy. It's just a lot. <laughs> it's just yeah. a lot. So talk a little bit about the canine contracting world and what, like kind of address some of the biggest myths and some of the not myths. And if guys are dead set on be working in the contracting side, cause like you said, that contracting money is great, but it doesn't last forever. Give guys some like, look, this is what you need to do. Like go work for these people, not necessarily name them, but you can like go find these companies and this is what you want to do.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, there are companies out there that have these contracts and um, they're big companies. I've done it from everywhere on my own to being a director of operations or a director for several of the large ones. Um, either way can be successful, but you know, you got to have that capital. I remember when I won my first overseas Iraq contract, I think Eric texts me the next day. He's like, it was, it was the blot air force Base contract. Mm -hmm. It's the second largest next to the embassy. And I I beat out the largest canine company in the world when I got it. And I was pretty excited. And uh, Eric's like, did you win the blot contract? Well, I sure did. And uh, you know, even that I went through all the motions and because of my lack of uh, not being a large corporate entity, And um, competing against the largest corporate entity in the world in that business. Um, You know, I couldn't get my business license in that country to pass through on the deadline I needed it to. Now, why? I don't know. I can't say for sure. I can say I applied, I can say I put it in. Uh, A lot of people told me what I needed to do to get it passed, but I had to be ethical because I have these other businesses. I have my name and reputation here. And at no time can one person like me. Regardless how successful you may be, compete with a conglomerate like that. Uh, no, you know what I mean you can't just show up with a bag of money. So you give them one bag of money to the to another government so you can get your business license. Uh, what if they just give a bigger bag of money? And that's not a game I could play. So I ended up not. I worked up that whole thing. I know Eric knows a little bit about it, but I worked up the dogs. I bought the dogs. I got the train. I did everything I needed to do, but I couldn't show up because I didn't get the the that that business license by the deadline date. I needed it. Um, I can tell you looking back over the years on that I have no idea what I could have done differently to uh, be successful in that maybe ask for a longer time from the contract when it started say hey I need more than 60 days I need 120 days maybe I asked for different things you know but I'm just saying at that time no matter who you are no matter what your background is not everything is is possible so people need to realize that Um, now when we talk about where I've, I've uh, I think at, at one point, minus, minus the use of SOC, uh, you know, because those have been with one vendor for a while. Now they're with a new vendor. But TSA, Customs War Patrol, USDA, the DOD have uh, at one time one procured for or supplied dogs as a director or uh, an employee uh, and all of those. And they're tough. They're very tough because those statement of works are designed to, uh, to weed out. And you can study them and you can get a good environmental setup and, and just going back to procuring dogs when I was at ATF, I was in charge of procurement there, I will write the procurement policy. I usually teach at some of these conferences, procurement. That's, my, that's probably the one thing I'm comfortable teaching in, in front of anybody. Uh, environmental confidence is number one. It's the, it's the biggest thing we fail dogs out for in all levels of government. So being a guy who was, when he was in the ATF, selected dogs from vendors, I knew what I would do to test. So then I went from being a guy who was supplying dogs to the government. So I'd like to think I knew you know, more than the average Joe on what I was supposed to be doing. It's still difficult because that, that selection official is not going to share with you, hey, I know we did an order for 10, but man, I only really need three. Eric knows this when he goes overseas. I only really need three. He might show me 20. I'm only taking three, but they asked me to bring 10. So I have 10 ready. That you paid for up front that you put a lot of time in getting to the statement of work. And then they take three. Okay, so three might three would be lucky for you to even come close to breaking even. Now you have seven dogs, you got to figure out what you're gonna do with. And so, regardless of how good you are, regardless of how expert you may have, and if you don't have outlets for those dogs, you're gonna eat that cost. And not mention you have to upfront all that cost along the way and that time. So you know, in in my, in my professional opinion, I stay away from that business. Now I stay away from all that business. I don't see a, a big future in it because that's the way they've set up these contracts. They they're not really set up for a business of our size, anything that all of us here do and people in our networks do to be largely successful. And that's my, that's my professional opinion. So I would caution somebody, you know, Hey, you really got it. I mean, I've even had businesses where we've had I wouldn't say endless capital, but we had the capital to make. If I need to go buy 20 dogs, we could buy 20 dogs. And I had the van and the truck and the personnel and the, and the, uh, you know, the environment and the setup, and it's still very difficult to do. Having that said, if someone wants to get into it, and I'm sure you guys know on FedBizOps, all these, all these contracts are posted and um, you know, I've had a lot of experience in writing and winning contracts. So you really got to get that down. That starts with your, your background. Not only personal, your company background, Um, you know, what's your uh, facility like, what's your experience like, all these things for you to win the contract, your capabilities, and then past performance comes into play. If you haven't had a contract before, these guys who think they might go out and win a big contract, if you don't have the past performance to show the government you've already been successful, it's going to be hard to do.
1: So I remember when when I asked you that and you told me you'd won that contract, it gave me anxiety and it had nothing to do with me. Because the the one thing you did touch on that a lot of people don't know is they don't front you the money. They're not going, no, Here no, you want no. the contract. This is what you quoted us per dog. We'll give you that. Now you go buy the dogs, deliver them when they're done.
0: Yeah. You and mine was a services contract with handlers. Mine was a services with handlers. Uh. Right.
1: And, and, you know, Ted and I have talked about this, uh, uh, several times and we've talked about it with other, uh, guests on the podcast where, you know, if you're a smaller kennel um, and you get one or two, say you you sell a couple of dogs and they get returned to you and you have to replace them. So maybe there's a medical problem or there's a performance problem. You have to replace them. That will put you out of business if you're small, just one or two dogs. If you're a small kennel without capital, imagine, like you said, getting, buying 10 dogs and they come back and then the, the contract government or whatever, whatever agency takes three you have seven dogs and no one knows you, you know what I mean? And it's so frustrating and difficult. And how often does the, those government agencies just change their mind or pull contracts at the last minute?
0: Well, we try to keep them, you know, and I've, 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 Argue with them over the years, the selection officials that, you know, hey, this is what your statement of work says. You're not even doing. I had a dog fail, which I thought was just a great detection dog. Uh, as we know, hunt, air, scent, prey, and retrieve are the drives we're looking for in detection. This dog was off the charts and all that, off the charts and environmental confidence. And my last thing is sociability. Great, great dog. I was selected all day long if I was still in the government. Failed it because. Uh, when they had a tennis ball in a grassy area, it's supposed to be a high grass area, uh, said it used its eyes to find the ball. Now I said, "Well, your statement of work says it's a high grass area." And They said, "We can't control that because they mow the lawn here." Yeah. I said, well, why don't we put them in a trailer and then we'll take them to a high grass area, just like the statement of work says.
2: You know that shit grows everywhere, right? <laughs>
0: exactly. are <They're> like, "Well, <laughs> we don't have the, we don't have, the, we don't have the time for that." You know. So here I've got a what I would call Eric a perfect dog, a sale for fourteen thousand four hundred on my hands that I've now taken back because he's so smart he saw the ball and he looked up his head and he grabbed it and used his eyes and it, it was just an unfair assessment or i used to get him a lot of problems with the with the loud noises you can sit there from 10 feet and you can bang a bucket once okay well maybe the trainer didn't like that you know what i think i saw a little something i'm gonna bang it. i'm gonna step forward i'm gonna bang it two or three more times i'm just gonna keep doing that the dog maybe even shuts down so is the standard to stand from 10 feet and bang it once and see what happens? Or can you just keep doing it until you see the reaction you want to fail it?
1: Yeah, throw the bucket at him.
0: Uh, but the, my point <laughs> is, fucking hit
1: him with it. <laughs>
0: there's no, and here we are, we're training and we're trying to sell dogs to so our vendors. Like, man, this is a good dog. I got this one ready. And then, oh, that's a failure. So it's a frustrating thing. But what I'm saying is nobody I know of can overcome that just don't yeah. think you can you can't overcome it um not ethically and morally so you got to prepare for that um you know uh th- there's a lot you know i was a part of the the cargo screening program as a certifying company um and i I've, i haven't done a certification this date because the way they set it up they let the company set the prices well my guys get let to say if eric you worked for me i would want to pay you 500 a day that's what your time's worth eight hours certification I need to pay Eric 500 a day, but he needs travel, per diem, hotel, car, rental, everything. Okay. We add all that up. Even if we did the smallest amount of company, uh, GNA over it, maybe we're 10%, right? That comes to a price and that price is just too much for him. And uh, I was like, well, that's the price. I mean, there is no other price. Um, this is what I have to pay so to send somebody. These are all the costs. It's very upfront. It's all I'm paying, you know, it's all right there. Um, in, in in every company said we were overpriced. So I, I had in the in a couple of years that's been out. I just let my stuff expire and I didn't do one. I said, I thought to myself, well, one day if they need another company because whatever they got's not working. But I'm not going to change. You know what our prices are. I mean, because you can't make no money in business if you don't if you don't stay stick to your your pricing.
1: So there's a there's a lot of people listening right now. They have no idea what you're talking about with the third party cargo screeners. Can you break it down? Because there's different. Factions of it. There's certifiers.
0: There's trainers. There are all kinds of sure, things. or what it was supposed to be, anyways. Yeah, so it's it's a third party cargo pro, program, canine program through uh, TSA and Homeland Security. Uh, basically, and I, well, the reason I was more involved when I was still in the government, it was starting to kick off, and I was in charge of the, let's just say the dogs at Detroit Airport, and they screened passengers, and the police officers screened the baggage out on the curb and baggage claim and suspicious items and all that. But they really didn't have all the time to go do the CARD, you know, the Delta Terminal, the UPS Terminal. So the government's like, hey, if you guys want that done, you guys need to pay people to do that. And so there was some collaboration on bringing in a third party, uh, independent, um, you know, canine certified officials. But then the government's like, well, if you're going to do that, we need to have control over what the certification is, you know, what their training is like. And I don't blame them, right? You want to have some standards that you know it's going to meet. There were supposed to be some laws that were coming out. It says X number of percent of all cargo needs to be screened for explicitly before it gets on these types of flights. That's been a, obviously delayed a little bit because of COVID. But, you know, I think they'll still get to all the numbers they wanted to. So it was built up to be the program was going to be a lot bigger. And I had an opportunity when that was kicking out. Do you want to get on this? You, you only can be on one or the other. if you're a company. You can be on the, the side that supplies dog teams and searches cargo, or you can be on the side that certifies teams and does that independently. So they were going to let, um, because the government's like, we don't have enough people to certify these. We're going to, we're going to need independent certifiers too. And so I think on the first initial classes, about 33 people went through maybe 12 companies. I was a part of three of the 12, either in ownership or co-ownership. And, um, you know, it started to kick off and it just never really, it's out there now, but you know, I just never felt there's a lot of money. Now, if you're a handler and you go get a dog and you're working for one of the companies maybe making $26 an hour and you're just getting your hourly rate. Right? That's great. I mean, if, that, if you're happy with that, I'm not saying that, does, that doesn't exist because that opportunity absolutely exists in all these airports across America. But if you're business owners like us and you're trying to maintain a business and then jump through these government hoops like, uh, you know, you got to have a body cam on and everything needs to be recorded and all these things need to be uploaded. and All these other hoops they want you to do, they make it really hard for you to be a profitable organization.
2: You know, and that's the thing, like I'm sitting here listening to this and you know, a lot of times I hear dudes get really disillusioned because um, they're coming out of whatever, like pick an organization, and they have the Kevin Costner syndrome, like if you build it, they will come and I'm like, that's not how this works. And it very much is a business. Now, while all of us are sitting here talking, and a lot of people listening to this are, are very talented gifted trainers in their own right um that is not enough like it's just not and you have to be very savvy with business i I can think of several people that are local to me uh, well localish whatever within like a couple hours that handled forever in a police department got out and just assumed that because i was a handler in law enforcement that money and booze and women are just going to rain from the sky And it's like, oh, all of a sudden, they're like, oh, fuck, I'm in the civilian world. I'm in the business world. And I'm like, yeah, nobody knows who the fuck you are. Nobody cares either. Like, welcome to the dark side. Now you have to be good. Like, and you have to be smart. And you have to know how business works. Eric said this a long time ago, that this industry is about relationships. It's about who you know, right? And on the law enforcement side, right? Like, County B goes to County C and says, hey, where'd you get your dog? We like your dog. Right. We've done some mutual aid calls. Dogs look great. So, you know, County C's like, oh, we went to goofball canine over here and that's where they go. Right. I mean, I mean, I don't know any better. I mean, they're admins like they don't care. They're like, oh, well, if it works for them, it'll work for us. I don't care. And it, it is very much. It has absolutely. And a lot of dudes come out and they're like, I'm a really good trainer. I'm like, I'm sure you are like go work for somebody that needs a really good trainer then that already has the business established. And because that did focus on training, because I mean, that's the thing. Like I was talking like at the opening of the show today, right? Like people are like, oh, it's great. You get to work with dogs all day. Yesterday, I spent four hours breaking concrete with a fucking sledgehammer. Like I, I didn't like, I didn't train a single dog in the morning. Like all of my employees and me were like, it looked like a fucking CrossFit gym in there for like a bunch of angry tattooed dudes. Like it had nothing to do with dogs and we were like teamwork makes the dream work we had to get that shit done and it had to be done right then and so i mean i tell guys all the time i was like this is not romantic <laughs> and like you're gonna have to work you're gonna have to work like an ugly stripper and <laughs> like it sucks sometimes I it little there you go i say yeah, that because so, i've met one
1: before it was interesting
2: so of course did she work for you like well, uh, no no
1: she she was at a, working at the strip club i was like yeah, man, you got scales on you,
2: kid. So. Was her name Shrek? Oh, it sorry. was pretty so, close. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Oh,
1: God. Real, uh, real quick, back it up before we move on. the uh, In the third-party screen, I'll let you guys know a little inside info. Um, when this stuff was kicking off, Jason and I were talking a lot, and I was going to work for him. Uh, in the beginning, the plan was for every single person who was going to be an evaluator was supposed to go to Lackland and learn how they were going to do everything. But then they decided at first we're just gonna bring in the company owners and teach them, get that started. And then I remember talking to you while you were there, and you're like, dude, this, I don't know, man. This isn't really like three companies already quit, like the first week or first few days of the class. And you're like, with the cameras, you told me about the cameras, and they said there's all this stuff. Oh, and by the way, you're not coming to Lackland. Uh we, the owners, have to train all of you guys how to do it. And then it just never happened you know um i i've only ever heard of like two companies that are doing evaluations.
0: yeah after, after it's, it's yeah it's very you know and like i said i've had all the big ones reach out to me and i've given bids and you know um it, and the thing is erica during that time it went back and forth to all it's still going back and forth right they're still trying to figure all that out um you know oh we'll send her down here we'll do that it, it, it's just a lot of uh it's a lot of uncertainty and it's it's not it's not stable business, you know. I it, and I only and I only told you I only buy you that because I have respect for you and your friend. I'm like, I can't I can't put you in a situation that doesn't get any work, you know, that thinking, hey, I'm gonna have some income here when it's not gonna happen because I could see that, like, man, I don't know about this. And and like I said, to this day, uh, I didn't do one certification for any company. now. and that doesn't mean they didn't ask me. But I gave them, I mean, I know business prices like you guys know business. We know that we know the cost of dogs. We know the cost of certifications. We know the cost of our time is what we know. And uh, I just tried to be fair with that. And that wasn't good enough. And, and no way, you know, can I, can, for anybody that I would hire like yourself, um, you know, if we're going to take you away from your kennels for two to three days, uh, that, that comes with a price. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and we don't want to come off as we're bagging on the program because i think it's a the idea of of x number percentage of cargo being screened is amazing it's a great concept it's a great thing um if you happen to get to work for some of the companies that are doing it man good good on you uh let them eat the cost don't try to be the company let let the company yeah exactly let them eat it yeah Yeah.
0: you know let's think about it too you know you talk about these guys ted uh there was a certain amount of qualifications you had to have to get on that list. And they were, I, I've said something who I thought that had it, and they were pretty picky and turned them away about how long have you been certified? How many dogs you certified? What organizations have you certified for? And uh, it was, I want to say that first initial year, there was only 33 people in the United States able to certify dogs for the government. Um, There's as, more as people a, that a, have
2: been on the moon.
0: <laughs> yeah, as a, yeah. yeah. Now Put I'll, that I'm into sure perspective. I'm sure that's changed. But at least that first year, I think about 33 went through, you know, on the initial couple courses they did. And, um, you know, an ideal. I agree with you. I mean, I'm an explosive detection guy. All my degrees are in security management, anti-terrorism. I worked overseas in Iraq and Afghanistan. I think everything should be screened. Uh, you know, I'm thinking we're missing the boat. on a lot of explosive uh, sweeps and stuff. So I, I'm okay with sweeping 100% of cargo coming and going uh you know so i'm all down with that it's just trying to uh from a government entity trying to control a civilian entity you know those are the those are where they're button heads and we're just caught in the middle of all that
2: yeah the problem's always
0: going to be human beings
2: Uh, oh and and on top of that like this industry is not unique to problems like that so no i I think any time that we have governments and (laughs) intervening with the civilian side like shit gets weird and then there's the propensity for things to go the way that is not intended, which is mm-hmm. exactly what's kind of happened. So uh, yeah, like Eric said, I don't want to bag on the program because we're definitely no, the biggest advocate, adv- advocates for canine, without a doubt, right? And yeah. uh, this is not a question of efficacy or anything else, but it is kind of like in the minutia of like how the T's are crossed and the eyes are dotted and making sure that you're using the right color ink <laughs> So and there's a lot of, there's a
0: lot of guys out there doing good work getting job at airports like I said maybe they're making 25, 30 an hour depends who they work for. I think the guys they have assigned to it down the government down Lackland are doing the best they can with what they have you know I mean when I went through my certification they were great no, no problems whatsoever Where I think it went wrong and this goes back to this whole topic, that we that you asked me about initially, where I think it went wrong is the government let the company set the rate and set the pace and set the scale, and they just figure they'll just even themselves out. You know, well, what if there's some guy retired from uh, Lackland after serving 40 years and he thought to himself, I'm just gonna go, you know, if, if they just pay my hotel and pay my trip, I'll just go out there and do it for free. I just want to keep certifying dogs, that's fine. There's nothing to, in, in this program to stop them from getting that person who just retired, he's got 40 years, He's got retirement, doesn't care. Just, just pay my travel and I'll go do it. Now, how does that affect a business guy like me yeah. who's out here trying to make a profit and run a business with employees? I, I just can't, you can't compete with that. And they did nothing to stop that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, we, yeah. That's, there's conglomerates. There's a whole thing with all that. That's, that's you know, probably why that came. We're going to go ahead and take a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to dive into the world of uh, nonprofit, your nonprofit. Everything you've kind of touched on a little bit, but we're going to get into like um, the ambassadors that you guys have now for the program and Mm -hmm. kind of where you went from when we met in 2018. But I'd also like to talk a little bit about the 501c3 process for guys that are like, I I see a need in the canine world for this kind of nonprofit. And um, and then uh, we'll go from there. So we'll be right back. All right, we love the Perkinsons down in uh, North Carolina at Highland Canine Training. They are great people, great trainers. They got a good business model. They're awesome folks. We've been with them for a long time. Uh, They're also super smart. And they understand that a lot of agencies are struggling to have manpower. So they're not sending people away for training. You guys have been there. You know, you put in, denied, lack of manpower. So they've created an online course Section of their website, Tactical Police Canine Training You get on there under training the online course. But here's the best thing: is they offer a supervisor canine supervisor course, which we know a lot of uh, police canine supervisors don't get to go to training. They don't know as much as they should. Right here online. Uh, The course discusses topics such as proper selection of dogs and handlers, proper deployment, effective allocation and utilization, as well as liability and the FLSA issues, which we know is where all the legal stuff comes from, interdepartmental. Uh, The course can be taken at your convenience, and you will receive a certificate of completion at the end. Uh, They're offering an amazing discount, guys. 30% off using the discount code WDR30. It's a no brainer. If you're a police supervisor and you guys have manpower issues, you can't go get on tactical police canine training.com under the training tab. Get on that supervisor's course, man. I'm telling you, it's a smart decision.
2: Another one of our favorite partnerships with the podcast here is the one and only Dogtra. The Dogtra guys have been producing some amazing tools in the dog training world for a long time everything from e collars, GPS tracking, ball trainers. If it's electric, and you use it with a dog, they've probably done it. They're the best. They are revolutionizing the way you communicate with the dog. I use it daily, whether I'm using pets. Uh, I use the 200C on most of our pets. Uh, most of my patrol guys will use a 1900 hands free, 1900S hands free. And then I use the ball popper pretty much daily with all of our detection dogs for imprinting on our box protocols. So hit them up at Dogtra Official on Instagram and Facebook. And then you've got dogtra.com. And when you go there, if you use the discount code WDR one zero, they give you 10% off a single item over 200 bucks. So if you're looking at the 1900 S or that ball popper pro or one of those things, it'll knock a substantial chunk off there. So hit them up. Doctor.com WDR one zero.
1: So everybody knows that Ted and I uh, not only train police dogs, we train pet dogs, right? We train dogs. So It's why our relationship with Ray Allen manufacturing is so important. These guys have been doing this so long. They knew and they understand that dogs are dogs and it's not just working dog. People that need things for their dog and dog training. So you go to RayAllen.com. They have everything dog related. You need anything that when it comes to dogs, pet dogs, your pet training dogs, police dogs, dogs, you're training for other departments, anything you need RayAllen.com. Uh, they've got it you can get on there so if you're ordering stuff for police dogs and if you have a pet side you can get it all in one man they ship it out got a nice big box full of a whole bunch of stuff there's nothing better than getting a big box of dog training stuff in the mail they also are great to us and they offer a discount code working dog radio all capital letters working dog radio for 10 percent off check them out rayallen.com great people ted and i use them every day
2: Super excited to have American Aluminum Accessories on board with us here at the podcast. These guys manufacture a wide variety of products from high-quality cam locker toolboxes to an extensive line of products designed to meet the ever-changing needs of the law enforcement community. Around 1992, due to the demand for safe and secure transport for a local law enforcement agency's canine unit, they introduced the very first in-vehicle Easy Rider canine container. So it was basically what we now call just our inserts. They have continuously grown and expanded uh, the products, catering to the needs and the wants of their valued customers and high-profile clientele, and catering specifically to law enforcement. Over the years, as the needs have changed for law enforcement, they have evolved and expanded the products to include inmate transport systems, the canine training aids, which I use quite a bit of, canine inserts. Most of, every one of my guys has one of those things. And you know, you if you're not even have to be in law enforcement. I have several friends that are civilians that work. <laughs> Lots of dogs that have the inserts put into their cars too. So, if you got one that fits, you can do it. Uh, they also do contraband and animal control systems, just to name a few. So, be sure to hit them up. The website is Easy Rider Online. So, that's the letter E, the letter Z, as in zebra, rideronline.com. If you're looking for them on Instagram and Facebook, it's American Aluminum Accessories. Feel free to hit them up there too.
1: So, our first and oldest sponsor that's been with us from the beginning is Arno Out out at ALM, uh, out there in, in Las Vegas area. Arno is a great dude. He makes great stuff for for police work and sport work. Suits, tugs. I'm telling you right now, his tugs are the best in the business. You can't get any better. Multiple colors. Uh, I, I buy boxes of them from him and give them out to everybody. Uh, I've got a bite suit from him. Love it. I've had it for a little over three years, and it's holding up like a champ. Um, Ted's got a suit that he's had forever from ALM. Uh, we wouldn't go anywhere else, man. We love it. Arno is such a good dude. His uh, ALM 9 equipment.com is the website. Get on there. He's got pre-made suits. He can do custom suits based on your measurements. Um, he's got stuff already, already made up. If you kind of get a kind of generic large size, maybe for everybody, the colors he has, man, is really cool. He can put a lot of stuff on those suits. Uh, check them out. ALM canine equipment.com and use the discount code WD radio for 10% off.
2: You know, running a kennel is one of those things that I always worry about is cleanliness and safety of dogs. And it's, it seems like it's an ever changing issue being able to house dogs and move things around everything else. So the guys at horizon structure make this as easy as possible. Literally the only thing you have to do is have water and power hookups and they deliver it. You can put dogs in that day. And it comes built, comes on a trailer. They just drop it off. You plug it in, put dogs in it, and you're ready to rock. You keep them clean. You keep them safe. You keep them cool in the summer and warm in the wintertime. And it's completely custom. You can go complete mild to wild. I've seen some that were stainless steel all the way from top to bottom on the inside. And then I've seen some for a, a bulldog breeder that you know, had smaller gates because those things can't jump. So if you reach out to them. Uh, They're sitting there waiting for you to call and help you through the custom design process. They have everything from two dog ones up to, uh, I want to say like 18 or 20. It's a lot of, you can put a lot of dogs, indoor, outdoor runs. So anything you've ever dreamed of, they've got it, have done it, or can do it. So they've taken all the guesswork out of building it. Everything is pre-done to your specifications that it's assembled, dropped off, boom, you're ready to rock. things are amazing. Uh, Rigney has one. Uh, We've had him on the show a couple of times. Go check out his Instagram. And you can see he's posted it up there before. Go look Horizon up at Horizon Structures, spelled out uh, on the internet. It's horizonstructures.com. And you're going to look for the link in there that says commercial dog kennels. Or give them a call, 888-447-4337. They'd love to talk to you and get you started on the way. All right, we are back. Working Dog Radio broadcast. Casting the bias. This is the last segment of this episode with uh, Jason Johnson from K9 Project Hero. Uh, so, we had the entire second segment talking about for profit entities, and now we're going to go to no profit entities. Uh, there's a big misconception that. Nonprofit means no work. <laughs> yeah. We can talk about that too, right? So like every nonprofit, I mean, Eric was involved with one. You've obviously got one. Uh, we've had, you know, we have multiple people reach out to us <laughs> too. Yeah, well, yeah, so we can talk about that in a second, but um, so I think there's this misconception that like nonprofit is not a way to, I don't want to say it this way, but like generate an income, right? And there's still services are provided. And, um, you know, generally on our end in the canine industry, nonprofits fill a gap for government deficiencies. So we were just talking about government kind of dropping the ball in the last episode. I feel like we're fucking bagging on the government, which, I mean, I don't know. It's easy. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I can sit here and throw rocks all day. But, you know, so they set the price. They set the, like, there wasn't, like, it's just kind of like a free-for-all, right? So Yeah, exactly, yeah in another version of like the government not doing anything um, at the state level uh, and at the national level too, um, step in your nonprofit, your main nonprofit, your um, it's Project K9 Hero, right? So mm-hmm. the, the, the the nexus of this whole process is to fill a void where government support stops. And government right. intervention stops, and there still has to be something there. So, yeah. talk a little bit about Project Canine Hero, uh, and then we'll kind of like bleed into how um, guys getting out can either sure. you or somebody else. So, yeah, let's talk about that.
0: Yeah, well, the first thing I'll say is nonprofit work is harder than any government work that I've ever done, civilian, well, yeah. police, or military by far. Uh, I'm putting <laughs> in Two to three times as many hours uh, you know back in the first couple of years, guys, um, the only reason I was contracting because I didn't want to take any money from my organization, so I still tried to do cargo screening. I still try to have my own overseas contracts. I still tried to work for some other companies so, supplying dogs, procuring dogs, and doing what I could. Until we got to the multi-million dollar mark here. And then I quit doing all that. I don't do any of that stuff anymore. And I'm able to pay myself a salary to run it like a real CEO. And I can tell you that's when we really started to excel. If you don't run your nonprofit like a business, like a for-profit business, you'll never get to where you want to go. And I'll get, I'll get, you know, people bragging me all the time, like, well, we run this nonprofit and nobody takes a salary and we're all volunteers. And I would tell you, I know you guys see all the things that we do out here. I would tell you that if I did that, we would never get to the level we're at or we'll never get that far because volunteers are just that. They're volunteers and you need employees to make things happen for you. Um, For those who don't know, this year we have the Canine Hero Awards, awards that I started to honor seven uh, dogs in seven different categories across the United States, patrol, accelerant, narcotics, search and rescue, tracking, trailing, um, uh, explosive detection, and we have the K9 flash uh, legacy award winner. So uh, that's going to be on GAC family. I don't have the air date today, but uh, it's going to be a GAC family this spring. And it's really my way of trying to showcase what these dogs are doing for our communities. Cause I don't think people know how important they are. Uh, what they're doing for our communities. Um, we have the K9 Hero Act that I've been working with Congress the last couple of years. It's actually on the Congress floor bill fifty eighty one, where we can take some federal grant funding and help pay medical bills directly for federal police canines and military working dogs. So we've been working on that pretty hard, and then we have our rehabilitation rehoming center here that we're working on. So all those things would never happen if I don't have employees that work here, or if I wasn't dedicated to a full time CEO. And I think, I think this year we're gonna we're gonna take it to even a more higher level where we can get things done and so i i know we've been really appreciative of that but i just want people to know um i think it's important to run your nonprofit like a business schedule you know set i mean we have a chain of command like a business we have different roles responsibilities uh everyone has assignments they need to be doing throughout the day they have deadlines they need to meet they have deliverables that i need to see uh i, I wish i wish I wish uh, I could tell you more about this one, but I'm looking at having my own show. It's coming on a major cable network. I can't release the network. It's going to be one you guys are going to be extremely proud of me about. And this show is going to be called Project Canine Hero. And it's going to it's going to focus on two of our heroes in every episode. Uh, Please, canine. Let's just take canine chief up in Moses Lake. You guys might know his story. Um, mm-hmm. Canine chief got shot in the face a couple of years ago, about almost two years ago. Uh, Nick Stewart's handler got in pursuit. Uh, subject running on foot. Didn't know he had a weapon tracking him down, getting pretty close, and he turns from his waistband, turns around and fires a shot at Nick. Chief jumps up, takes it in the face, loses his eye, shatter a jaw. Uh, Nick returns fire, uh, neutralizes the subject. Uh, Chief gets airlifted, Washington State University Hospital, where he almost dies several times. Lives, loses his eye. He's in our program now. Loses his eye, lives. And a few weeks later, a few months later, when he was back healthy and everything, uh, was retired. And luckily for his department, his captain reached out to me and asked if this was something we could help with. And I was like, absolutely. This is why we started Project Canine Hero. Because now you have a police dog that did the most heroic thing a police dog could do by taking a bullet to its face for it's handler lives. But Nick's gonna be stuck with his bills for the rest of his life. Only because, and I don't like, like we're not the best of government and not these agencies, but there's no programs in place that have funding for them long-term. And that's where I really felt the need was of Project Canine Hero. So, you know, we're paying uh, chiefs, Uh, medical bills for the rest of his life we he has on special food because of his job we pay that 100 percent rest of his life and that's where people when they donate to our organization there's 168 members we've had uh since 2016 chief just one of 168 stories um uh 20 20 a season that i'll be broadcasting on our on our show so i think the american public is going to love that i think it's going to help take us to a whole nother level and i can't be i can't i cannot wait uh, for it to start uh, getting out there where everyone to see. But I, I, I'm still in some contract things and negotiations, but I can't publicly release that yet, but I can say uh, it, it is coming. I
1: don't think uh, a lot of folks until you start talking about realize. Um And I remember realize the cost of like medications for some of these dogs. And I remember, sure. uh, I don't remember if it was the first time you're on the second time you're on, you were talking about a couple of dogs that were definitely like, uh, the handler on a cop salary, there's no way he was going to be able to do that to, to oh, yeah, do it. Absolutely. Can you explain kind of like what some of these guys are yeah, looking at? Money yeah, wise? Absolutely.
0: I mean, and we've seen Well, We'll just, let's take, uh, let's take the case of canine ACE down in, Houston, down in Houston area, Texas, an SRO officer ACE is working with us handler. He's out there finding drugs in the school district. I mean, lots of fines, hundreds and thousands of fines, millions of dollars off the street, guns, all kinds of stuff in the schools, right? He's killing it. Um, Comes down with lymphoma, takes it into the vet office there, confirmed they want to start a chemotherapy. I don't know, the first bill is like
2: $7,200. Yeah, I was going to say that's super Ooh. cheap. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's just to get started on everything, right? Now he's a school resource officer in Houston, Texas. I picked Houston, Texas because they don't make a ton of money down in Medicare. And uh, $7,200. Well, that's a lot of money for him and his family. He's got a family, man. He's got kids, right? uh we know it's hard for police officers and specifically military members to work a second job because you know you're on call you're doing things you can't just go find another job to pay for this so they're limited on resources but we've seen agencies in this case this particular chief and i'm not gonna name the agency but he's like he's been fired since he backdated that dog's retirement one month so they didn't have to pay that bill and he stuck it with the handler seventy two hundred dollars so when he applied for our organization i was like man we're gonna help you and we're going to help make this right, and so of course we've raised money through Project Canine Hero. And we made it right, and we um helped with that dog Ace. He lived another two years uh with his family, and when and that again that chief got fired after that. Uh, but those are the types of things that's not the that's not the first case that seemed like that happened, but those are the types of things that do happen, and you know we're as a former handler, former police officer, and all that. I want to make sure uh, that doesn't happen. And if if so, let me be the voice for you. You know, if you can't stand, let me be the national voice. Let me, let me bring this to the public's attention because two things would happen if we didn't step in, um, either a, that handler goes into extreme personal debt and he puts down his credit card and just makes it happen. And he just, he runs up the bill or B, that dog goes without. And when I started projecting on here, I didn't want to see either of those things happen. So, you know, that's why we're out here working a hundred hours a week, trying to raise money trying to put more dogs in the program and try to tell their stories
2: we uh we have a, a local client here that um we trained their dog and we did some like equipment for him and stuff uh super nice people uh I have a rottweiler he's super sweet um and when i say these people have like a money it's i mean the the husband owns the uh he has the patent for like something to do with like cling wrap type shit so i mean it's right so she, the wife was asking me she he was asking me about this and this is several years ago and she's like so when they retire they get to live with their families right i'm like yeah most of the time they do you know and she's like and she asked she was like well if they have any health problems who pays she's like the department pays for it. like they have like a retirement health insurance fund for the dogs i'm like shit they barely have one for the cops i'm like what the fuck yeah. do you think i was like no they don't have one for the dog and she's like well what happens to him and she was like super concerned i'm like I mean, the handler's family, like, they pay for it. I mean, it's their pet now. She's like, well, how do they pay for that? I'm like, well, how do you think they pay for it? And, like, the look of just utter and, like, just dissatisfaction confusion. And she's like, well, why what, don't they have enough money? I'm like, well, this is a conversation I don't really need to have with somebody that's a fucking billionaire. But I'm like, look, the police departments are weird. And <laughs> I, I'm like, you know, I mean, they, they think it's their money. Yep. So, yeah. So like they, they think they're like, you know, this guy backdating and I'm like taking $7,200 out of his operating fund is not going to kill him. And right. but he acts like it is like, so. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Oh, so, and it was, and we'd already done your first episode. So I was like, you know, our buddy Jason like runs an organization that does this. And she's like, Oh my God, that is so great. So anyway, there's a ton of people in the public that even maybe listening to this. They're like, what do you mean? Like, I understand they get to live with the handler after the fact, but they don't have like health insurance. They don't have benefits. I'm like, no, they don't have, no, they don't have that. I mean, shit, even dogs that are working that are not retired, have their food donated, have healthcare donated by local vets. I mean, like, it's not, I mean, I, I, people are like, where are my tax funds, go, tax money going? And I was like, I wouldn't just want to reference the second portion of this episode where I'm like, it's a stopgap for the government. And it's where they just, uh, I don't know. They failed. So, but which is why, we're here having this conversation, so um I to this day I'm still surprised. Maybe it's because of what we do, right? Like we live this all day. So when people are like, when a dog retires, you know, I'm like, hey, before he retires, I'm telling handlers like, before he retires, go do this and this and this and this and this before he retires, so that your department is not all fucking weird about it, and you know, get all that shit in writing and everything done first, and then be like, oh yeah, now he needs to retire, and that's worked like so it's worked quite a bit and i don't feel bad about it uh i really don't (laughs) i'm more concerned about the dog and the handler than i am about the departments but uh yeah so eric so uh,
1: listen jason you're a great dude we really like you but uh we know that dogs are the face of the organization like absolutely not not my face your face any other human's faces so i've noticed a lot lately you've been bringing on uh Ambassadors, like yeah. guys that retired yeah, yeah. dogs that retired. Talk about oh, yeah.
0: that, that and yeah. kind of how that came about. Yeah, you know, just just you know, just to be a national nonprofit and try to work in all fifty states and get your awareness out there. It's all synergy. Go back to what Eric said: it's all who you know, right? And so it's word of mouth. And you know, some of these guys have great followings. Let's just take Canine Mattis, Alpharetta PD, for example. Mark tappan I think he's got four point five million followers on TikTok. Mark's a great guy. Mattis does have some health issues in retirement, and, uh, you know, they're out there, you know, trying to spread awareness and, and talk about, the, you know, trying, trying to bring uh, the police profession into a, a likable thing to kids and things. Uh, we just had a performance for PAWS a charity concert up in uh, Nashville. Mark came up there. Every, I had 22 artists play it. The guys like Daryl Worley, you know, stuff like that, that. Everybody wanted to come up and get their picture with Mattis, and it was great. I mean, that's what they talk about. And, but that's how they also remember who Project Canine Hero is. And, um, you know, if you're, not, if you're not teaming up with, those are like all little spokesmen for us all across the nation. Uh, recently, Canine Duke retired out of Menlo Park PD uh, with Ed over there. You know, uh, Ed was getting moved back patrol. is just the weirdest thing. And his chief decided that uh, be having a dog as a sergeant on patrol would be a distraction. Nothing wrong. Was with The Duke, Duke was doing great. It doesn't even really cost all that much money. You know, he's getting a lot of things donated. He's trained. There's really, in my opinion, no reason to retire a uh, Duke at that time, but they decided to do it. And we'll be announcing him here this week as one of our new ambassadors, you know. And, you know, a guy like Duke's got a great following on Instagram. And so it just shows those partnerships. Like, I could sit here and sell apparel all day long you know, hats, shirts, cups, mugs, and I know you guys got some of our stuff or, or seen it. That's not going to pay the bills, guys. That's not, it's corporate partnerships. It's not going to build my facility here. It's not going to get the TV show and it's not going to help me pass the Canine Hero Act. I need uh, companies out there who want to associate with helping police canines and military working dogs to, to reach out to us, to contact us. And believe it or not, we have over 120 corporate partners. Um, some are from small companies, some are medium, and some are big. But it's my job as a CEO to keep finding those uh, people. I had a, had a conversation today with, one of the, well, I'll just go ahead and say the largest farm and ranch su- uh, supply store in America and uh, looking to maybe partner with them on my TV show. Uh, but they have a pet section, they have dog food. The, our kennels that we have here are bought from there. Our dog bowls are bought from there, our water bowls. So these things all make sense to me. And the more people that we can tell about what police canines do and how heroic they are, because what you were saying, Ted, uh, it's the same way I go talk to Congress all the time. I'm in DC a lot and I'm speaking to Congress and they would say, Jason, I thought we passed a law that you know the ha- the dogs get to come home from overseas. They're like, of course we did. That's not the issue. Well, don't they get to stay with their handler? I was like, they usually get the first choice, but sometimes the handler's not available. And then when I get into the medical care of it, they're just kind of lost. And like you were saying, like, I, I, well, I can't believe we don't do that. <laughs> well, no, we don't at all. And I need your no. help to help me uh, fix that. It, it, it's a lifelong journey for me. It's a legacy, guys. I mean, I'm in it for the long haul. I, you know, I could have stayed in the government and made decent money and just went about my business and paid my bills and had a good life. Uh, but I have chose to do this instead and I'm not going to quit until, uh, until I'm dead or I see it all completed.
2: So um, one thing that, you know, guys listening to this that are kind of like thinking about what they're doing or like, you know, like, how oh, fuck I got to find something to do to get out once I get out. Right um you know because like eric retired at like 50 right and i were told you were like 50 right yeah. so i mean you know you ain't dead yet plus you need to work and you're not I gonna sit. like st- I am. You're, you're not well you're not gonna sit <laughs> still though like even like you can my grandfather tried to retire at like 50 and then tried to retire at 55 and then tried to retire at 65 and he's like i can only whittle and fish so much so <laughs> yeah. uh and then then teach me how to build crazy shit in the garage and blow stuff up in cars and whatever else. But he was like, I can only do that so much. So um, starting a 501, thankfully, is a little bit easier than starting. Mm-hmm. Sure. Getting a government contract is still not like an easy process. But um, and there's 501s for like everything. And we've had for sure. several on the, the show and there's stuff for training. There's stuff for actual mm-hmm. dogs. And then there's stuff for what you're doing, which is the aftercare of retired mm-hmm. dogs. And the actual support for the handlers and for the dogs. So um, talk a little bit about that process. So like if you're listening to this and you're in an area of the country, like, because obviously you have 168 dogs or that you uh, have on the roster. I I read some DOJ thing the other day. There's like, uh, like 31,000 working canines in law enforcement. I think that counts all federal and it doesn't count military, but it counts all federal and state uh, law enforcement and they estimated around 31,000. So you're at like half a percent ish. Not even that. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So we're we're trying to take sh- care of a ton of room.
0: The, oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, There's a lot of room. We, yeah. I mean, we're just trying to reach the ones that have the special needs or a financial burden right. on their handler. And, and I have 168. but I have over 200 pending applications right now. I've been getting on average uh, some days I'll get three or four applications in the day, you know, and that's the hardest part of this job trying to figure out which ones we can help and which ones we can't and put on a, a list. And I wish we had all the money in the world to help every one of them, but we can't. There's a lot of room for more nonprofits. Like you said, some go out there and do all different types of things, Uh, you know, whether it's Narcan kits, vests, training, uh, all cages, everything, right? I'm so passionate about this particular one because when I studied my background, I watched myself pour my heart and soul into training over 2,000 dogs and I saw them dying in retirement because no one was there to help them with medical care, which I thought they could have lived. So uh, to me, this is the most important aspect of it. I think sometimes the departments can pay for the cage. I think they can get you an ARCAN kit. I think they should get you the best. but we've yet to get past the laws I want to see passed yet for the aftercare. So there's a lot of room to get out there and branch out. And it doesn't have to be in, uh, you know, necessarily police canines. I'll give you an example because I, because I run the Blackwater alumni association as well. Uh, I'm still associated with a lot of veterans and I do a lot of veterans speaking. I go to a lot of events and things. I'm on my, uh, I'm on panels and all this stuff for veteran suicide. So one thing people don't realize is Project K9 Hero not only helps the dog, we help the first responder veteran because when we pay that bill, we're relieving them of the financial responsibility. Maybe that was their partner, maybe that partner saved their life, but when we pay that $5,000, we are helping veteran families and first responder families as well. So that I can appreciate. But a lot of them have service dogs now, right? They have the therapy dogs. They have uh, some uh, dogs that help them with their aid. Well, my program simply takes care of uh, police canines and military working dogs. That's it. I'm really strict about that. Um, But think about all these people who are getting service dogs from VA or these other programs. Who's going to help with their health care when they're out of service for this disabled veteran? Uh, You know, I've had a lot of people say, hey, can you help with my, you know, I, I served in the Army, I was a police officer. In my program, it doesn't matter what you've done, unfortunately, it matters what the dog did. And we're not there to help them. And I've had to turn many people away. I'm just trying to give you a good example of an idea that I thought of, which 100% is not going to be me uh, running a similar organization, but no one's not going to be out there to help the service dogs. You just got to think out of the box. You have to find a need. And, you know, I'm given a need right here over the air for anyone who wants to take this ball and run with it.
1: I was just going to ask you, there you when, go. when we talked, I was going to say, is there a void that you see that could be filled that's and it. guys yeah. can race to get that filled. And that's perfect.
0: Yeah. I mean, think about it. You guys know it because you're in the business. How many people have these animals and some of them are hundred percent disabled vets or or whatever. They're they're not going to have the money and that emotional connection between them and that dog, when they get 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, it's going to be pretty tough on them. And uh, I think there's a need for an agency. It's very similar to Project Canine Hero, but instead of helping police canines and military working dogs, you're going to help service animals for veterans. I see all these huge, five the one's bigger than mine you know doing 20 million a year helping with uh service dogs for veterans and i think that's great but uh i'm more concerned about the dogs themselves that's why i'm very passionate about what our our mission is i would never change that but i think i think there's a need right there that i'm that i'm putting out there that uh, somebody could take the ball and be just as successful as we are if not more because there's going to be a lot of those guys out
1: there needing help so before we wrap it up, I'm a guy getting ready to retire. I'm listening to this episode. I get a hold of you and I say, Jason, I, I don't know how to start a 501c3. How like, I'm I'm a grunt. How, what do I do? Because yeah. guys are nervous about that stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean everything everything can be taught, right? I mean, you know, uh, you know, it just takes some time to 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 learn what the process is. But it's 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 fairly simple, but it's fairly complicated. But the first thing you want to do is probably get a good CPA lawyer that can help you draft your articles and corporation and your bylaws. You need to do that within one state. So you gotta pick a state, whatever state you wanna be in and uh, get that drafted up and apply within that state. Uh, you know, Within those article corporations, you're gonna need a board. You Most states you're gonna need a minimum of three people. So you're gonna need two other people, one to be your treasurer, one to be your secretary, people you can trust. Uh, it's very important. Uh, you need to know what your mission statement is, your goals, your, your vision, All those things, you're going to have to put that down. And then, you know, you can get all that filed and you need to file with the federal IRS. Get that in. Once you get that EIN number, once you get that off, you can legally start taking in money. But then you have to register if you're going to solicit money out of that state. You have to register in all the other states. We're registered in every state in America. That costs us a lot of money. Some aren't. Uh, But, you know, we uh, do a direct mail program and I I put that all out there. Uh, Then you got to worry about your logo and your trademarks and your website Mm. and your emails. And you know, looking back, guys, if I was to start it all over, I, you know, I don't I, as much time as I put into this. I can't even put a number on it, but you know, it's my passion. The point is, it can be done. Uh, you just got to get out there and learn the steps. This initial, this initial paperwork just to become a legal entity, may, maybe a thousand dollars give or take. You could get on one of those websites and do it yourself for a few hundred. But it, I knew when I built this that I wasn't going to take it to a multi-million dollar organization, so I wanted to make sure it was done right. And uh, you know uh i've probably exceeded some of my goals Uh, i never thought i'd have my own act in congress i didn't think i'd ever have my own national award show come on tv and now we're going to have our own cable television show that might you know end up on netflix or in 180 countries around the world um you know, and just to get, I, I can, I can say a little something else here just to get you guys excited about this for people listening. My business partner on my television show created the dog whisperer of Milan, all 10 seasons. He's executive producer. Now, mm-hmm. while I'm no huge, now while I'm not saying that's the best dog trainer in the world. That was a successful show. Oh, Me and okay. him are partners on my show project canine hero and we're going to tell real life stories of these dogs so you can imagine my amount of excitement that i have when i when i bring this gentleman's been in the business for 40 years with that amount of success uh you know you know they licensed 100 products at five new york times bestsellers they were viewed in 180 countries it's still playing on tv now in so many like 80 countries so i've got some big dreams
1: it's part of pop culture the whatever whisperer the cat whisperer the horse whisperer The Beard Whisperer, which is Ted. There, or whatever. Well, yeah. <laughs> There's a
2: fantastic Instagram account that used to be called The Slut Whisperer, which is the oh, guy from... Man. Oh, man. And this is Kirill Car- Forever. It's the assholes of forever guy. If you've ever seen... Like, yeah, go look it up. It's Linda Feingold. Go look well, it the up. good it's news. Great.
0: The great yeah. thing about our show when it comes out here, guys, is it's not about dog training. It's not about any of that. It's yeah. a true life story like I told you about Chief. It's just a reenactment of that. You interview the handler, you interview the people on patrol with him that day, you interview the vet, the people who drilled the helicopter and the airlift, what we're doing for him right now to help save him in retirement, what people can do for us so we can help save more like him. And that's what that's what I'm trying to put out there to the world.
1: If you need any tattooed actors, uh Ted and I jump in and
0: we should be <laughs>
1: thug number one, thug number two.
0: Yeah. Dirt Shit bag at one. the
1: liquor store. Something Shithead anyway. one and two. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. That's funny.
1: So uh, tell everybody, social media, website, everything, where they can donate, where they can see, where they can follow you, what's going on, and keep up with you.
0: Yeah, so if you haven't visited yet, we're projectcaninehero.org. We got all kinds of stuff on there. You can read the stories of the heroes. You can read about our Canine Hero Awards, our Canine Hero Act, uh, the Rehabilitation Rehoming Center we're building here, which is amazing. Um, But more importantly, we got a lot of things on there that you can buy apparel-wise. I have children's books out that I've written about my partner, Flash that are big hits. Um, and we uh, have a way to donate right there on that button. So that's project caninehero.org. Uh, we've grown our accounts. You guys know how to grow on social media. We've got about 200,000 followers combined now, which is pretty decent for a canine mm-hmm. organization. Um, we have uh, a great Facebook account. We do a lot of lives on there. So we're at project canine Hero, by Instagram, the same and uh, Twitter as well. Uh, me personally, I'm on LinkedIn. I think I got about 26,000 followers on my personal page on LinkedIn. I, I do a lot of business stuff on there. At LinkedIn, you'll find me at Jason Johnson, Project Canine Hero. And let me say this for those people because I think this is important. to um, These guys getting out of the military, getting out of the police, they, they, they don't really think about this when they're still in. But I can tell you, I've got more business development deals on my LinkedIn account. I get on there, I post professional stuff. I post positive stuff. I, I post what I'm doing every day. And I get uh, you know people on there giving me business deals like, hey, I got a, a, a product coming out on Shark Tank. Could you come be my charity partner? And I and I, my my logo was at every Petco in America, you know, for six months on the shelves at the register. You know what I mean? And there's people wanting to get involved. Uh, I've gotten so many opportunities from LinkedIn. I think veterans and police officers underestimate that tool, uh, you know. And I think just keeping your social media clean if you're trying to get into this business uh, you know, don't be out there bashing anybody. It's a small world, uh, especially in this canine business. It is a small world and you never know who that person is going to be hiring you, um, or going to be looking at you for a job. So, you know, kind of clean that stuff up and keep it professional, keep it out there, let people know what your goals are. And, uh, I think the, the biggest key for success in this entire business is just hard work. If you work hard, good things will come your way.
2: Ted, are you on LinkedIn? Yeah, I am. I don't use it as much, uh, but I, I am on there. I need to yeah, use it as much. I, I had
1: joined it a while ago, and uh, I need to get back in it because I, I stopped using it because it, years ago, it started turning into Facebook. And I was like, man, you're, you're not even on here talking about business. You're talking about some bullshit. And so I stopped, and then
0: people were like, yeah, dude, all that stuff passed away.
2: That was my and it's, problem. Yeah, it's there's now still- business
0: there's you know make sure you you build your network with people within your business or the business you want to be in and uh those those people i i've just gotten so many opportunities because of that platform i just think it's underrated for and and i'm talking about because we're talking about people who want to get out of their military or government service or police service and go do something um it's 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 widely important widely
2: uh ryan morris from tripwire said the same thing about uh he i was yeah. talking to him and not the other it's been a couple months ago but he was saying the same thing about it like the new version he was like dude i do so much business on linkedin yeah i do <laughs> i'm like so yeah so yeah i need to get us on there so Teddy, yeah, you, can you, you, face, you can use facebook for memes that's what i do yeah and then instagram speaking of which instagram is ted underscore summers and torch like and torch like pets that's where i put all the uh like all the working dog, like professional stuff. Um, I am on Facebook, but it, I put working dog stuff for the bits, mainly music and memes. Uh, <laughs> and then, of course, we have working underscore dog underscore radio uh, for the podcast. And then HRD police came on. Uh We just shored up another HRD in Bend, Oregon in early June. I think it's six the sixth of the eighth. That was today. So we'll just go back to San Francisco and I've been back there. And then I've got uh, one in Louisiana. Um, and then we're going to Blue Line and Hits. So, yeah, we're we're rock and roll. We're going to be instructing uh, both, and we're going to be doing interviews um, and I'm sure heckling or being heckled. One or the other. Maybe both. I don't know. I mean, we'll see. <laughs> what about you?
1: Uh, workingdogradio.com. Guys, we have a ton of uh, merchandise on there, really good oh, stuff. Oh, we got new
2: shirts. We're going to have new shirts. Huh? Yeah,
1: we came up with a couple of ideas uh-huh. for some new shirts. Uh, everybody always likes the stuff we put out there. Um, you gotta go check out our president series in there. There, There's some really good good stuff in there. Van SK9 on Instagram, Van SK9 Academy on Facebook. I have those two linked up now. So if I post on Instagram, it posts on Facebook. So you only need to really go to one. Um Ridge Side Canine, Ohio for pet stuff if you care about anything like that. Um and that is it. Van 9com is the website. If you're looking for police dog pricing for me and everything, you just go there. It's all listed in there. So, uh, Jason, we're going to see you at uh, some of these conferences.
0: You know, guys, I stopped doing them the last couple of years ago, and, and, and you know, I've been going to conferences, there's been a little bit bigger ones, um, more broad, more broad scope. Oh, okay. Um, I think, uh, you know, the police and the, the police canine guys, the military working guys, they're kind of my, they're more my customers, people we serve, mm-hmm. but they're not my corporate partners um, as far gotcha. as yeah. a lot of the business, they're, they're friends of mine, but... I'm looking at your Home Depots. I'm looking at your tractor supply company. I'm looking at Petco. You know, I'm trying to get into that level that is going to help us put us to another level. So while I think they're important for the community, unfortunately my time is a little bit better spent uh, public speaking at some of some of the larger things that I've been doing and uh, we're, we're speaking to Congress and stuff. So That's I would awesome. encourage people to go and do it. It's just uh unless i just want to go have a good time and hang out with you guys there's not a lot of business development for me yeah. to
1: have there anymore well i uh, i like the fact that you now joined the three time uh, member club of the uh, working dog radio podcast what you did join you didn't join shit it's it's a fake club i uh, <laughs> just wonder who else was that. on it uh, 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 uh who J- rigney
2: rigney um i think bradshaw
1: uh, maybe yeah. I, I don't remember there's been a bunch
2: uh, uh... Not a bunch. Maybe. It's like
1: three or four people. Yeah. So it's a it's you know it's, it's up there exclusive. rarefied air. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. But this is a great episode, man. I really appreciate you coming on, yeah, spending some knowledge and uh and talking about uh uh Project Canine Hero. Guys, check it out, Project 9 Get on there, click that button, help these guys out. It's one of the best um causes I've ever heard of. So um till the next one, guys. Thank you very much. We'll yep. see you. Thank
2: you, thank you. Thank you. Got your reasons, I got my wants Still got that feeling, but I'm too old to die young night. Too Working Dog Radio today. was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com That's spelled brother, D-E-G-E, dot blogspot.com Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Dog Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.